Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Jojo Mario's Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Enriquez, and joining me for the next few episodes is our co-producer, Bahati Banks. What's up, Jason? Hey, Bahati. How Quality you doing? Time with Bahati. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Any more time to spend with you is a great time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, as Jason mentioned, we will be tag-teaming on the next few episodes because our awesome co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin, will no longer be a part of the show, unfortunately. She brought so much wisdom to the show in terms of her medical insights about pediatric dermatology, as well as her positive and collaborative spirit. We will definitely miss her and wish her much success. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that said, we are are in the process of searching for another Jodi pediatric specialist to fill her shoes. So please stay tuned. Stay tuned. Since April is Occupational Therapy and Autism Awareness Month, we invited Ah. Tina Million, an occupational therapist, to talk to us today about her role and how sensory or fidget toys and or fidget spinners are used as a therapy tool for children on the autism spectrum. Well, well, I thought it was just the hypnotic toys that that I may or may not be uh, guilty of using. (laughs) So uh, we will definitely be talking about uh, fidget spinners and fidget uh, toys in our coffee chat. Okay, excellent. Before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. John, your valet at Joe Mario Children's Hospital, and you're listening to Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe Mario Children's Hospital. Celebrating 25 years of specialized care. Happy 25th anniversary to Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Hey, it's your boy DJ Aaron. Guess what? I'm raising my red glove to raise awareness for Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Yo, celebrating 25 years. Hey, what's up? It's Joey Vitone. Of course, I'm raising my red glove for Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. 25 years, baby. What's up? This is Shark Damon John with ABC Shark Tank. I am raising my red glove for the 25th anniversary of the Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Raise your glove, too. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, let's share with what's making news in the parenting word, Bahati. Yes, so there are two topics I want to bring up today. The first is schools notifying parents about their child being bullied. Absolutely. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, so I'll start out by um, sharing a, a very sad and tragic story. Uh, when 13-year-old Jacob uh, took his life in 2015, his oh no. parents were shocked to learn how serious bullying had become at his school. Um, unfortunately, Jacob nor his school, as in the vice principal, the principal, none of the administrators, the teachers, teachers no, they, n- no one shared <clears throat> with his parents <clears throat> about the ongoing torment he faced for months. Since that tragedy three years ago, his parents have pushed to pass Jacob's Law in New York. And this would require schools to notify parents if their child is being bullied or if their child is a bully. So either, either, either a situation. At least eight states have laws that require schools to notify parents when their child is being bullied or is bullying other kids. Opponents of this policy, however, believe that... There are mm, opponents of this policy? I know, but wait till you hear. Okay, I, okay. I was, I was oh. like, why would you oppose that? Okay, but, okay. So notifying parents, uh, school officials could inadvertently out a student who is either gay, lesbian, or transgender to their parents 
an LGBT student may not report being bullied for fear of their parents being told. Uh, and civil rights groups says it's a violation of students' privacy rights when authorities, such as a school or police officers, any anyone in authority, discloses their sexual orientation of a child to their parent. So there are pros and cons yeah, to this but policy. The cons are kind of weak because let's break it down. Mm-hmm. Um, when you disclose that uh, somebody's bullying or a bully, the amount of detail is up to the, the teacher and the administrator. You don't have to get into detail with that. It's um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, your son is being bullied. It's severe. You might want to uh, talk to your child about it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That can be as simple as that and leave it up to so this is a conversation you should have with your child or you know, your, your, your child is bullying. Um, we do not tolerate this behavior here in our school. We require that you have a conversation with your child. That's as far as you need to go as a blanket statement. There is no bad side about this, so I'm sorry. I think I I kind of, playing devil's advocate, right. I was like, I kept rereading the opponent, mm-hmm. um, the why they would think that. And I, I do see, I grew, I was born and raised in San Francisco. So San Francisco has a large LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So I went to school with a lot of students who were LGBT mm-hmm. and it's and a lot of times yeah. the bullying can stem from sexual orientation. Absolutely. So I think that's why the LGBT advocates were really honing in on that community. But like you said, Jason, it shouldn't be, you know, a parent a teacher calls or a principal calls and mm-hmm. says, Your child is being bullied or we suspect that your child is being bullied, it's been reported, or your child is bullying another child mm-hmm. absolutely that's it that's Next as far step. as it needs to go right I, I mean and then of course it's, it's something that i tell my children i can't help you unless you talk to me so if you're not going to discuss it with me i can't assist you and right. it means you're taking on whatever is going on on your own right so it's the same concept it's just giving the parents the tools or at least the opportunity to address a situation or behavior or, or behaviors being enacted upon them mm-hmm. And then leaving it up to, to the parents' household to, to deal with it or not deal with it. But it, I think that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why. I'm surprised that this is even uh, uh, a discussion. A discussion. discussion a, yeah. It's a, any kind of legislation. It's, it's common sense. When a child goes to school, there is a certain perceived safety, yes. certain perceived safety, yes. especially when it comes to um, mental abuse or mm-hmm. physical abuse. I, I mean, do we not have to report home when kids get into, into fist fights? Isn't, you know, so it's the same concept. If, you, if you're going to tell them, hey, listen, your son is physically pushing children into lockers. Why can't we say your son is verbally abusing another student? Mm-hmm. What exactly is the difference? You know, physical and verbal, it's abuse is abuse. Mm-hmm. Bullying is bullying. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that we could probably, uh, you know, uh, prevent mm-hmm. just with a simple sentence and a phone call. Mm-hmm. So, More communication. Exactly. Exactly. And so a North Tawa, Tanawanda, Ooh. try saying that 10 times, <laughs> a small town in upstate New York actually just passed uh, an anti-bullying law last year that would fine or jail parents, parents, not the child, for up to 15 days if their child is caught bullying or attacking another student. I thought it was very progressive. I agree. Very progressive because it takes it puts the responsibility on the parent as opposed to the child, and then that forces the parent to say, "Oh, 
I need to st- I need and to I, I need to take an active role right. in the behavior of my child. That's right. a no brainer as well. I absolutely believe it. I I, I totally agree. I, do too. I, I totally agree because <laughs> that's the thing. If there's no um and I tell it to my children also, I say, mm-hmm. listen, you can act how you want to act, but the minute you look you make your daddy look foolish okay. or wrong, okay. we will have a conversation. I have wonderful kids, but I still make sure that they know that represent yourself properly, yes. but understand that the minute that this thing uh, trickles down upon daddy, mm-hmm. well, we can have a conversation mm-hmm. in the deep voice. <laughs> okay. So yeah. no, but, but you know, all funds are joking aside, yeah. but absolutely. Why not? Why wouldn't a, a parent, uh, 18, I'm oh, sorry, 17 and below mm-hmm. a minor mm-hmm. is the responsibility of the parent. Period. Period. Um, I totally agree. We should pass it more often. I think so, too. So the next topic is fidget toys. So as we mentioned earlier. They're delightful. They're simply delightful. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) April is um, Autism Awareness Month as well as Occupational Therapy Month. And so I want to talk. We're going to be talking later with our guest, Tina Milian, who is an occupational therapist with Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, about this specific kind of therapeutic tool called a fidget toy or fidget spinners. So you've obviously heard of (laughs) fidget spinners. I'm I'm privy to the information. You're privy to the information, as in you have one or two or three i i i own four you own four um <laughs> one is yellow one is flame like one makes the one makes the 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 lights and the other one was the original one that i first found when i th- first thought that this was ridiculous oh. until i put my hands on one and i said Ooh. no way so i'd never heard of a fidget toy or fidget spinners Neither did I. no so last year they were all the rage they were all the rage in k through eight classrooms across the country oh, in yeah. fact Represented, they represented literally, and this was last year, all of Amazon's top 10 mm. best-selling toys. Have you seen shocked. the different options of fidget spinners <laughs> it's too on many. Amazon? It's too many. And the deals? Yeah. And the packs? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> we have sorry. a fan. Have a I fan. may have been on Amazon, <laughs> and I may have looked up the, you know, a special light one. <laughs> I almost got one that, that actually would have had my name. Oh, my it. God. That's and it so would have cool. been lovely. So uh, primarily, they are designed to help people stay focused, calm, yes. and reduce stress. Is that why you Well, you know it? what it is, though, is that, um, uh, if we're going to get a little deeper, um, <laughs> my youngest son, Joy, brought one home. And I ah. said, that's a nonsense. Why are you using that? <laughs> he goes, but exactly, Dad, it's for concentration. I said, what is concentrating about that? Give this to me. Oh, <laughs> this is this is nice. Really? Just, uh-huh. Okay. It, it has a light, light hypnotic um, feel to it. Interesting. You know, because you kind of get absorbed as it spins, mm-hmm. and you're just looking at it, and you're trying to focus on maybe one going around, mm. and then, or you want to, or you see the entire thing where it's just one big pattern, uh-huh. and it's, uh, it's delightful. <laughs> it's so okay. delightful. So there are some, that's the upside. So the downside is apparently they've been banned in schools because they're yes. too distracting, as and, you can imagine. And that is why I put mine away. Right. Uh, And they also have unfortunately caused choking hazards in children. See, that is something I I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, what... It, what's coming off of it? It's kind of little one pieces. This one little boy, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he was um, about four or five years old, mm-hmm. and he dropped it, and somehow it, it broke apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he ended up swallowing a piece. Yeah. And the thing is, though, is that fidget spinners, they're, 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 there's some weight and counterweight in it. So mm. if it falls, mm. it's going to fall with a thud, you know, and it's impossible if it falls the wrong way that it will break. 
So I can see that happening. Okay. Because, you know, there's, there's, there's a weight in there and it's mm-hmm. a counterbalance. That's what helps it spin around. Okay. So, okay, that makes sense. Because I, I did not know. When I heard it, I said, I said put the entire thing in their mouth. How did, how did that happen? So Yeah. No, wow. not the entire thing, right? Well, exactly. Just a little but, piece. But I'm saying, like, when I heard, when I, when I saw that in our, you mm-hmm. know, on our, lovely agenda i said mm-hmm. how i was picture how would that happen you yeah, know so yeah another kid got it embedded in his finger and it took like <laughs> a long time to get it out but it was not a lot of injury but mm-hmm. still it was it was literally embedded in this i guess i guess you can harm yourself in any way with any toy you can you can i guess so um later on today uh, we will specifically talk to tina about children who've been diagnosed with adhd or autism on the autism spectrum Mm -hmm. or have other learning challenges that may benefit from fidget toys if they have sensory processing challenges. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And I may or may not be sharing a little deep, deeper, deeper, deeper stories. Yes. So looking forward to it. Maybe. Maybe. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. And thank you once again for joining us on Healthy Parenting. I'd like to welcome our today's guest, Tina Millian, to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tina, for joining us today. So in honor of April being Occupational Therapy as well as Autism Awareness Month, we wanted to talk to you about your role as an occupational therapist and um, and how you provide therapy for children specifically with autism. But before we get started, tell us about your career journey and why you chose occupational therapy. Well, when um, I was looking for a job or a career going uh, in high school and and college. I always wanted to work in the healthcare field and also work in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. I was, like many other people, I wanted to have a gratifying job. Mm -hmm. I wanted to uh, really make a difference in people's lives, especially pediatrics. When I was in high school and in college, I volunteered as a uh, teenage volunteer in outpatient rehabilitation, Mm. and I was able to observe very closely occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy, and I was fascinated by the field. Um, My cousin experienced a close to fatal car accident, Mm. and uh, he actually had to receive OTPT in speech, Mm -hmm. and I was excited to be part of it uh, because it was happening at the hospital Mm -hmm. uh, that I volunteered at. And uh, my sister also uh, had speech therapy as a child. And I really got to see the profound impact that uh, therapy had Mm -hmm. on uh, both a child and an adult going through a car accident. Mm -hmm. And um, I really loved that the field of occupational therapy combines art and science and Mm -hmm. psychology Mm -hmm. and ultimately meets the needs of people. So that's kind of how I got into occupational therapy. That's amazing. Now, uh, our listeners do know that this topic is a little uh, personal for me because my son actually is uh, diagnosed with autism, high functioning, uh, a little bit of speech speech impediment. But from my understanding, autism is a wide umbrella. What spectrum do you work with? uh, 
I actually work with all uh, all spectrums. Um, that's why it's called the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Disorder. I just thought I made that up. <laughs> I'm trying to sound professional. Um, so there's, um, you know, different levels. There's different areas that um, it affects a child. Mostly diagnosed at around two to three years of age. Mm-hmm. However, I've seen um, signs. I'm not diagnosing, but I've no, seen a lot of signs of children um, having these um, signs for um, autism. Um, especially one of the big highlights would probably be a speech and language delay, uh, social interaction um, challenges as well. What I do, I actually specialize in a type of treatment called sensory integration. And um, that is a type of treatment that I feel as a therapist, I feel that every child in therapy benefits from it, Mm -hmm. but it's really about integrating all your senses, Mm -hmm. the sense of touch, smell, movement, where you are in space, um, even your sense of hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that it it actually helps with children with autism, ADHD, cerebral palsy, uh, even other neurological disorders, but um, we really see children, again, in occupational therapy from, in pediatrics, we see children from infancy, really up to adults. Mm. Uh, I primarily work with infancy to adolescence. And, um, you know, we're working on different areas. I always like to explain uh, to families because the number one question I get asked is, what is occupational therapy? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask you guys, do you know what OT is? No. (laughs) I did not. So I take it your son um, has never had OT, but had speech therapy. Has had speech therapy, yes. Okay. So um, it's really easy because I'm sure when people hear physical therapy, you automatically know physical right. strength. Yes. You're going to help me walk. You're right. going to help me get strong. And then when you hear occupation, you're thinking, what is work this therapist? Yeah, 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 yeah. They help you find a job. It's, <laughs> right. it's work Exactly. How is this therapist going to help me get a job? And why is my doctor prescribing occupational therapy for my child that has diagnosed with autism Mm -hmm. or developmental delay. So I'm here to tell you guys and tell all your listeners that um, your child actually does have a job and their job is to play. I always educate um, families on the power of play. We use that uh, a lot, uh, talking about play. And play is really how children develop coordination skills, how they learn to interact, like socially interact Mm -hmm. with other Mm -hmm. children, and also how they build self-confidence so they can interact with their environment. Okay. Or maybe an adolescent school-age child, Mm -hmm. an adolescent, sorry, adolescent, I would... um, probably say their occupation is more related to education, mm-hmm. um, really intertwining with the needs of the educational system and kind of moving from elementary school to middle school to high school to college, mm. and then really working on their relationships, uh, their friendships, and also eventually helping them get into the workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned uh, Power of Play because uh, Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, obviously the mantra is Power of Play. So it's good to hear that play is actually part of, or that's like the approach that you take with occupational therapy is actually using play, I'm assuming, to mm-hmm. as a therapy method. Is that correct? You know, to lighten the mood as well, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yes, therapy is fun mm-hmm. in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of working with an adult and... It's just so different working in pediatrics. 
everything that we work on is hidden within play. Mm. Um, I work closely with teachers, um, with families and caregivers, um, providing them uh, strategies mm -hmm. for the classroom, mm -hmm. strategies for home. Mm -hmm. As an OT, we wear many hats. Sounds like um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. We um, educate, empower. I'm also um, create eval. I do uh, holistic and customized evaluations, oh, okay. mm -hmm. treatment plans. Mm -hmm. um, we also lead. I'm a, also a clinical leader in mm -hmm. my department oh, as well. Okay. And uh, we take students and teach students and so forth from local universities ah, as well. Okay, awesome. So, you know, let's get a little deeper with me. So it's a couple of years ago, probably 10 years ago, my son is diagnosed with um, autism and I'm... Uh, I wouldn't say violently opposed to it, but I was I was absolutely against us. I said, I'm not, not, it can't be happening. Even just thinking about it is making me like stammer. Um, and I was distraught. I was in denial. I refused for a while to accept it because I saw nothing wrong with my child, but I'm with him every day. So I didn't see what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, I, uh, for a while, um, refused uh, the diagnosis. Uh, so... When you're faced with, with a parent or family that is that difficult, um, what steps would you take to reassure them to get them over themselves? Because I, I, I had to get over myself on my own, mm -hmm. like more of an internally, but what would, suggest, what would you do in that case? I actually get faced with this challenge a lot. Um, you know, parents come for an evaluation. A lot of them are very scared and, you know, they're sitting in the in the room very scared like what is this lady going to tell me mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and i can sense that and i think it's important as a therapist to sense how much or what you can say to your parent are they ready to hear mm -hmm. what you have to say so that is the art of educating and teaching a parent i start off like what is your son's name uh, theo theo yes. so i always tell parents you know just because Theo is diagnosed with autism. I'm not looking at him as the big A, as auti autistic mm -hmm. or having autism. We're going to look at Theo as Theo, your son, right. right? Our friend, our little boy that's coming for therapy. And we're not going to look at him as a label. Mm -hmm. So I don't want parents to look at a child and, and label them mm -hmm. as autistic. It's just, it's just a diagnosis mm -hmm. to help you guys get services, mm -hmm. is what I tell parents mm -hmm. all the time. You're in the right place. We're here to help you. You're coming here. Um, it's it's awesome that mm -hmm. your doctor sent you here so early and that is the best time early yes, intervention absolutely. to start off these therapies because that's where you get your best results mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of like the angle that I really you know really and truthfully that's how I want parents to feel because I do want parents to feel that feel and understand that we are here for you absolutely we're going to tell you and show you areas that your child has strengths in mm -hmm. and areas that we need to work on. And it's going to, you know, it's not always going to be fast. Mm -hmm. Every child is different. We'll take our time. And, you know, we're in here to help you guys. And, you know, we're also, as an OTA said, we wear many hats. So I'm here to help you with your teachers, help you with 
uh, family members because a lot of times family members don't really get a good grasp mm-hmm. of what's going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, grandparents mm-hmm. or babysitters mm-hmm. or even sports act- extracurricular activities mm-hmm. that you like coaches are. and okay exactly yes. Yeah, so. so so you actually take time to to either meet in person or have a phone conversation with the child's teacher or coach. A lot of times I'll actually invite during our therapy session time, Uh I'll ask parents, well, you know, if you want your coach or, you know, I invite grandparents, like, please bring them, whoever takes care of your child, bring them so they can get an idea of what we do in therapy. Because ultimately coming twice a week or three times a week is not going to help. I need everybody else to to come on board and, and carry out these things that we do in therapy. A lot of times with schools, we don't have the ability to go out to the school and so forth, but email, phone okay. conversations. A lot of schools are very open to um, strategies of helping their student um, in their classroom as well. Good. Excellent. Good. And what would you? What would be your strategy for an incredibly difficult patient, uh, not patient parent, um, absolutely refusing to seek help or services or anything of any kind? Once um, the diagnosis is made apparent and pretty much been justified, is there any recourse that you're able to do to either to, to help the child get the help that they need, or is it really just stuck up to the parent to, to say, okay, yes, you know, we can do this? Right. So um, there may be times where uh, exactly how you had mentioned that a parent might seem like they're not ready to accept this diagnosis. Um, so... A lot of times I will definitely give them resources, mm-hmm. um, send them places uh, that maybe they're not ready to have skilled services yet. Maybe a play group might be more mm-hmm. appropriate. Maybe a gym class may be appropriate so they can start to see other children and how their child interacts. And maybe get that something still structured, you know, not just free play to kind of gain that understanding and mm-hmm. see how their child interacts. A lot of times... Um, when this happens and I have a family member or a parent totally just not come back uh, and I follow up, of course I have to notify the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, a lot of times these children will eventually get picked up in the school system. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times the teacher, it comes from the teacher. If If parents may not be accepting from the doctor or a therapist, maybe it makes more of an impact coming from the school Mm -hmm. teacher and and educational department. And they might um, suggest an OT evaluation in the educational setting, or they might suggest that you, you know, see a doctor mm-hmm. or, or move forward from there. But um, there's also uh, services that they have here in Broward County that look at children under age three and evaluate them and um, through the government, and then they will set them up with the services that they need under age three. And once um, those children turn three, uh, they'll be under an eye, under someone to kind of gear mm-hmm. them towards school um, and towards possibly getting evaluated in the school. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what was the jarring thing. I remember having a uh, parent-teacher meeting. It was m- myself, uh, his mother, my mother, and her mother. And they basically said, listen, um, this is what it is. And, you know, we're tolerating it as, you know, in, in, in kindergarten. But in first grade, they're not going to tolerate this behavior, you know. And your your son has a chance of being, you know, thrown out of school if, if, if you're not seeking services. And that's really what kind of just, okay, uh, maybe I should little listen a little more. Maybe I should just 
all right, let's play ball. Let's see what happens. And, you know, I, I can't imagine how his development would be right now if I still was, was, was hard and it was refused. I mean, when I say refused, there's very few times that I'm that stubborn. So it's, it's interesting you said that. And some children also benefit from other services. I, I had mentioned that you know, I'll give resources to the family and so forth. And then sometimes behavioral therapy um, as well might be another intervention yes. or a, a piece to the puzzle that will help your child um, attend, follow directions a little bit more and um, focus a little bit more. Yeah. I know you've, uh, you've kind of given us bits and pieces here, but what are your major responsibilities as an occupational therapist? Well, I evaluate, of course, um, (laughs) and provide uh, intervention, treatment plans. Um, I mentioned before that I educate, so I am a clinical instructor as well, so I take students from other universities. I also educate um, my colleagues as well. I I teach, I'm a clinical instructor as well at the hospital. Um, We empower our patients, Mm -hmm. we encourage our patients. And, you know, I, I mentioned we wear a lot of hats. No, so, yes, exactly. You know. <laughs> Just think of everything else. <laughs> so um, we mentioned earlier in the show that April is Autism Awareness Month. So we also want to talk to you about a popular type of therapeutic tool used when working with children with autism, specifically called fidget toys or fidget spinners. And you actually wrote an article about, <laughs> about oh. this as well to educate people. But please just share what are fidget toys and or fidget spinners. So probably about maybe six months ago, the fidget spinner was the it toy. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Every kid I saw was spinning these things. That's Every so cool. store I went to by the register, they were selling these things. And I would see all these kids using it. And they're like, it helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. And actually, these fidget spinners started off as a sensory strategy that um, occupational therapists or maybe even teachers had maybe recommended for students or for patients to use to help them calm themselves down, relax, concentrate, focus. And the way that it um, makes you kind of focus or calm down a little bit, I guess, um, is that it it has like a touch component when Mm -hmm. you touch it. It's rhythmic and soft. If you think about something that's rhythmic, like swinging, for example, it's calming or rocking a baby. uh, Do you think it has like a mild hypnotic sense to it? (laughs) No, I I enjoy them and I'll spin it and I'll just... Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like timing and sequencing okay. when you're you're spinning. And it does mm. help you, like, focus. Almost hypnotic, as you, if you want to say, like how you had mentioned. <laughs> but um, what's been happening is everyone's been using them and everyone's saying, it helps me focus, it helps me. But it's important that I want to let your listeners know Please. that these fidget toys, yes, they're a sensory tool, but mm-hmm. not every... F- Fidget toy is for every child. Correct. Um, you want to make sure that the fidget toy that you use is not bothersome. It's discreet. Fidget toys come in all different sizes, mm. all different textures, and mm. this fidget spinner is just one of them. Okay. Um, and it's important that maybe if you have an occupational therapist on board for your child or your student, they'll be able to specifically tell you which fidget toy is the right fidget toy for you to meet your okay. needs. Because, you know, it, it keeps your hands busy, but, yeah. you know, we also want you to 
you know, be able to move from that toy mm-hmm. to do your work, right? Very true. Uh, Very true. Okay. Very okay. true. I know uh, a lot of uh, schools have banned last year, mm-hmm. possibly this year, mm-hmm. fidget spinners because they were extremely disruptive in class. You could imagine if you're using it like as an adult, <laughs> like you could imagine kids are just spinning and spinning and they whir, they make a, a whirring sound. Yeah, some will yeah, make, make a sound. And they're um, too distracting. Lights, there's blinking yeah, lights. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's some yeah. awesome patterns that when it spins, it looks like, <laughs> a, oh, I mean, sorry, carry on. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so they can be very distracting to the point where schools have actually <laughs> banned them. Um, <laughs> from you know from the from the classroom but that was a question i had is when something like that happens okay for kids who don't need this um fidget toy to focus but what about the kids who do need them okay so um actually um there's something called an individual education plan um in the school system for example that children that receive services whether it's physical therapy, OT, or speech, they may have this included in their plan Mm -hmm. to allow some sort of fidget toy for a certain prescribed amount of time or certain periods of time and so forth. So those children will be able to use those okay, things. Good. And mm-hmm. there's okay. a there's a documented reason as to why um, they use what they use mm-hmm. and you know there's there is a reason, you know, behind it. Exactly. And it's selective, like the therapist picked a certain toy you know, for that child, as I said, it's not like a all-in-one kind of uh, yeah, yeah. a thing. Okay. So um, that's probably how you'd be allowed to use something like that. I see. Again, as I mentioned, it should be discreet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not bothersome to students and, you know, all these blinking lights. That's, I guess... After it got out in the yes, market. Yes, and then it became a fad. A thing, yeah. Right, and then for blinking everyone. lights. Yeah. And that's that would be too much of a fishing toy <laughs> for therapy, like blinking lights it's and blink, so it's forth. The blink, it's, that's <laughs> occupational therapy with bling bling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> Did you have any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yes, absolutely. The action plan. That's something, uh, you, as I'm listening to you describe something, I'm like, oh, yeah, we do that, too. Because, we, you know, Theo has a quarterly plan. Mm-hmm. We all meet up with, with, uh, with, I believe, maybe there is a particular therapist in that group. Because it's, it's the vice principal. It's the teacher. A counselor, but I thought it was a counselor. Maybe it's not a facial therapist. And we sit there, you know, it's a little, I call it a dossier, but it's, it's like a thing and it tells, okay, this is what we did so far. So we see this is the next couple of months is what we're going to do. This is what we're gonna, how we're going to work things out. So yeah, I definitely um, empathize with uh, parents out there that go through this because it was rough in the beginning for me. If you can imagine. That took a lot of courage for you to admit that, though. I'm glad you kind of went through that process. That's growth. (laughs) That's growth and maturity. Yes, yes. Growth and maturity and, you know, getting over yourself. (laughs) Which is exactly what I did. I had to get over myself. That's what it was. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Tina, before we end today's show? Or any resources you'd like to tell our listeners? Well, April 2nd is National Autism Awareness Month, and um, they usually have the color blue, so I'd like to encourage people to wear the color blue. Will you you believe that Theo's favorite color is blue? (laughs) Yes, yes, his favorite color is blue. My favorite color is blue, too. (laughs) Sky blue, popular color. I like yellow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really exactly sure why... um, the color is blue, <laughs> but you know, for Autism Awareness uh-huh. Month, I'm not sure. Maybe some people say it's a calming color. It is. It's a peaceful so. color. So it's the sky, it's like ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> soothing. So it is. Wear blue. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anything else? And 
April's also National Occupational Therapy Month. Oh, <laughs> yes. What color is that? I don't know color, <laughs> but recognize your OT. Yes, yes. Give them, <laughs> give them props. So yeah. thank you so much, Tina. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on Healthy Parenting. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Share it with others and visit Joe DiMaggio's Facebook page.